Well, good morning. Good morning. Well, isn't it great to be in church today? Well, what a blessing it is to sing about the greatness of our Lord. Thank you, Pastor Ken. Some of those are my favorite songs that we got to sing today. What a blessing that is. As we begin a new year, let's just uh, take a look back just a moment and celebrate 2018. Would you agree with me? God wrote a lot in our individual stories last year. It's kind of like our life is a book, and each year is kind of a, a chapter of our life. And God wrote a lot in the life of our church and our individual lives last year. So let's talk about 2018. How many of you had the opportunity to be with us Easter Sunday morning for Groundbreaking Sunday? A lot of you were with us. What a great that day that was at our new church campus. Uh, 1,800 people, over 1,800 people Easter Sunday morning and baptizing and seeing all kinds of people get saved. Wasn't that a great day? Wasn't that a great day that we can celebrate Easter this last year? Man, what a great time in 2018, breakout camp. Our first time that we have par partnered with the foster care system of the state of Florida, and we brought a lot of foster care children along with us for spring break camp with our students. And here's the great news at breakout camp, we had over 30 students get saved this last year. So, man, we celebrate that, what God did at breakout camp. Hey, I'm looking forward to breakout camp this next year. Last year when uh, it was breakout camp, you know, we'd only been here maybe three weeks or so, and then off the camp we went. So I'm looking forward to camp this next year. Grandparents, parents, sign up those grandkids, sign up those uh, teenagers for breakout camp. You can go online, you can sign up for that. But what an exciting time that was. Hey, what an exciting time as we really launched out six brand new worship services. I stood before you and said, you know what? After we did awesome August, as we were out in August reaching our community, doing mission trips all around our local community, God opened up a lot of opportunities for us. And now we have six worship services uh, going on in nursing homes. Can we give God a big hand for that? I mean, that's incredible what God allowed to happen. And uh, man, I think we've got a lot more to come. But I have an opportunity for you I want you to pray about. How do we have people leading uh, worship and teaching in all those nursing homes? I've just stood before you and said, hey, we have an opportunity, and the Holy Spirit just worked in people's lives to do that. So we have another opportunity. On Wednesday, we partner with God's Table. A lot of our church members help, and Mike helps provide all the food. And one of our local housing uh, areas, just right down the street from here, on Wednesday, we feed a lot of people every Wednesday. Y'all might not know that, but on Wednesday, when you're at church or choir or wherever you are, uh, one of the things that we do, we, we feed a lot of people in that housing development, a lot of apartments there, and the Lord's really placed it upon my heart. We just don't need to take food in every Wednesday night. We need to start a church service there on Wednesday nights. We need to start a church service that we want to feed them physically, but we also want to feed them spiritually. So, will some of y'all start praying 
Don't say no to the Lord. Let the Holy Spirit speak to you. If you need to help us teach that service or help lead in worship, or you can be a part of that team that will do that, because we feed them every Wednesday night. So they've got a, a community room that uh, I'm pretty sure that they're going to allow us to use. So, man, pray about being a part of that church service. So I, I'm excited about that. One last thing. Thursday night, ladies' prison ministry. Praise God for all of our team that go in the prisons every week and share the gospel of Christ. I mean, we're making disciples there in the prison. Well, Thursday night, incredible moment. They didn't just see five get saved. They didn't just see 10 get saved. They didn't just see 15 get saved. Thursday night, our ladies watched six Teen ladies in the prison repent and accept Christ on Thursday. It, that, I don't know about you, but that's exciting, isn't it? That we get to be a part of all those things, but we're looking forward to all that God's done in 18 and all that God's going to do in 2019. Well, here's what I want you to start. Go to Philippians chapter 3. Can we start there? Philippians chapter 3. And here's my beginning about this. God's doing a lot in our hearts and our lives. Philippians 3, verse 13 and 14. But some of us were ready for 2018 calendar to turn. Some of you are ready to, for the 2019 to begin a, a new start. I want everybody to look at me and do not miss this. Your past failures, your past issues do not have to define your future. Your past regrets in life, your past decisions that you've made, your past does not have to determine your entire future ahead. I've got some great news. God has a future and a hope for you. I've got some great news. In 2019, not only does God want a personal, intimate relationship with you, but as you surrender to the Lord, God can use you in a great way. If God can take a Moses and a rod and lead his people uh, out of captivity, God sure can use you. If God can use somebody that murdered people and murdered Christians, guess what? God can use you. He changed a Saul to a Paul, so don't let your past determine your future. Don't let your past set the course ahead, because I tell you, Jesus' grace is mighty, isn't it? I'm so grateful where my sin abounds. Aren't you grateful that God's grace abounds that much more? Because I need that grace. Look what it says in Philippians chapter 3, verse 13 and 14. Somebody just needed this word today. Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do. What is the one thing that Paul is saying I've got to do? Read ahead. What is Paul saying I've got to do? Forget those things, what? Behind. 
We got to forget those things behind. And then what does he tell us to do? Reaching forward to those things which are ahead. So here's my challenge as we begin this next year. Let's forget those things behind and let's press forward. Let's press forward for the higher calling of Christ. So First Baptist, are we ready to press forward? Oh, let's try that again. Are we ready to press forward? Man, let's press forward for the upper calling of Christ, that all that God has for us. And how do we do that? Pray like it matters. How many of you would agree with me? Prayer changes things. How many of you agree with me? We have got to be a praying people. But here's the truth of the matter. A lot of you in this room, you wouldn't be embarrassed by how much biblical knowledge you have today. You wouldn't be embarrassed. You got a lot of biblical knowledge. As a matter of fact, a lot of you wouldn't be embarrassed about how many times you have shared the gospel. Some of you have shared the gospel a lot. But how many of us would be embarrassed by how much we pray? We might not be embarrassed about the knowledge that we have. We might not be embarrassed about us sharing the gospel. But what about praying? Why should we pray like it matters? Turn in your Bibles, 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, look at verse 2. You're going to see that the Apostle Paul's life, and you will see the Apostle Paul telling the church of Thessalonica that you have got to pray like it matters. All of us in this room, we would agree that we've got to pray like it matters, and that we have got to be saturated by pray. Look what the text of Scripture says. Look at 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse number 2. You're going to see that he is going to, he's going to encourage this church of Thessalonica. He's going, to, he's going to give them instructions. He's going to tell them to stand fast. This is an incredible church. As a matter of fact, if you stepped in this church of Thessalonica, if you stepped in this church, you would be stepping into an exciting church. You would be stepping in a church where God was moving. Here's what happened on the missionary journey. Apostle Paul is on his second missionary journey. He leaves Philippi. Remember in Philippi, I mean, he was thrown out of the city of Philippi. He journeyed into this city, and as he walks in this city, he starts preaching the gospel of Christ. He starts in the synagogue. He's not allowed into the synagogue. So he moves from the synagogue, and he moves to the streets. He moves to the houses. And as Paul is preaching the gospel, the gospel of Christ takes root in a lot of people's lives. What is this city like? This city that the Apostle Paul is preaching in is taking root. Write this name down. There's 200,000 people that live in this city. So in your mind, just don't think this is just some small village that the Apostle Paul's going to. This is a city about the time that Paul was there that had about 200,000 people. As a matter of fact, it was sitting right on the harbor side, so it was a wealthy city. It's a progressive city. It is a city that is moving forward. This city 
that the apostle Paul is preaching the gospel in, it just took root. There's a lot of Gentile men and women. As a matter of fact, when you study it, there are a lot of women in this city. When Paul was preaching the gospel, it took root, and God used these men and ladies to do a great work. But one thing you're going to see is he's writing this letter. Does anybody want to take a guess, this First Thessalonians, about what year is the Apostle Paul writing this letter? Anybody want to take a guess? All right, let's think real quick. 70 A.D., the year 70 A.D. was the fall of Jerusalem. What I always do is I study of a, a book of the Bible, the New Testament, and I say, Did, was this written before 70 A.D. or after 70 A.D.? Before the fall, destruction of Jerusalem, before or after? Can somebody tell me, did he write this before or after? Before. He wrote this around the year 50 to 52 A.D., and it is a very clear time frame because we know he mentions a certain leader and we know what time that leader became leader at that time in the world. So we know very clearly that the Apostle Paul is writing this between 50 and 52 AD. We know that he's writing this from the city of Corinth. He's in Corinth at this moment and he's writing this church a letter in the year 50 to 52 AD. What's amazing about this, this is only around 20 years after Jesus ascended back into heaven. So, can you think back over your last 20 years? Have you had a lot happen in 20 years? Well, think about this. In the 20 years after Jesus Christ ascended into heaven, I mean, the gospel of Jesus Christ spread rapidly. So, here is Paul writing this 20 years after the ascension of heaven, and he's going to encourage them. But you're going to see, it is saturated by praying. 1 Thessalonians 1, verse 2. Let's look at it real quick. We give thanks to God always. We give thanks to God always for you all, making mention of you in our what? Prayers. Paul's saying, I want you to know I might be located in Corinth right now, but I want you to know I am always making it mention you. I am praying for you. I don't know about you, but isn't it really special when somebody comes up to you and say, hey, I am praying this for you. Isn't it is special when you say, will you pray this for me? And somebody comes back to you three months later and say, you mentioned that in our life group. You mentioned that to me in the hallway of the church three months ago to pray about this. And I want you to know, for the last three months, I have been praying this for you. Man, there's just something about when somebody is praying for you. Well, Paul is telling this church that he is in dearly in love with. I'm praying for you. Look what it says. Go to chapter 3. Go to chapter 3 in verse number 9. 1 Thessalonians chapter 3 verse 9. Look at this next step. Not only are we praying for you, and it's an honor that we mention in our prayers, but how often and how much are they praying for them. Look at 1 Thessalonians 3, verse 9. For what thanks can be rendered to God for you? For all the joy with which we rejoice for your sake before God. Verse 10. Look at verse 10. How often is Paul praying for them? I mean, look ahead. Look at verse 10. Don't, don't lose me. Well, it says verse 10. 
night and day, praying exceedingly that we may see your face and perfect that which is lacking in your faith. How often and how much is Paul praying? He's praying what? He's praying night and day. Look how he ends this. Look at 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. Look at verse 17. And there's only three words in verse 17, but you're going to see Paul's life is saturated by pray. He is praying like it matters. Look at 1 Thessalonians 5. Look at verse 17. It says, pray without what? So what does that mean? What is Paul telling this church? He said, I want you to pray without ceasing. What does that mean, my church family? Oh, y'all know. Does that mean we should be praying all the time? Uh, look how he ends it. Look at verse number 25. Brethren, pray for us. Isn't it interesting that this church that God allowed him to start and to begin in this great city, isn't it interesting that as he's writing from Corinth, he's writing in the back, he said, hey, I'm praying for you. I'm praying day and night for you. I encourage you, hey, pray without ceasing, and I'm asking you to pray for me. So let me ask you a question. Is Paul's life saturated by prayer? Yes or no? Oh, let's talk about the New Testament church real quick. If you want to study the history of the New Testament church, you study the book of Acts. The book of Acts is the history of the New Testament church. And when you study the book of Acts, you see how rapidly and how fast Christianity took across the known world at that time. But there's something interesting when you study the book of Acts. From the beginning of the book of Acts to the end of the book of Acts, can I tell you, every single chapter in the book of Acts you will see praying. As a matter of fact, in Acts chapter 2, and it says, and they join daily together and they pray. You'll see in Acts chapter 6 is a crowd as the people were multiplying so fast in Christianity. Remember, all of a sudden they couldn't minister to all the needs, so you got to get some more deacons. You got to get some deacons in order to do that. So we might be people of prayer. In other words, when you study on over, you'll see when Peter was in prison, what is the church doing? Pray. You will see in the book of Acts, they are praying for missionaries. They're praying for the gospel. They're praying for fellow believers. They're praying for the gospel to be spread. So when you study the apostle Paul's life, it is saturated with prayer. When you study the New Testament church, it is saturated in prayer. So why should we pray much? Let this come up on the screen. I'm, I'm skipping a bunch of slides. I'm just going to form you. This is what I put. John 15, 5, Jesus told us, apart from him, we can do what? Why is Paul saying be saturated in prayer? Why is the New Testament church saturated in prayer? Apart from him, we can do what, family? Let me ask you a question. Was Jesus' life saturated in prayer? Well, let me, I'm going to get a little bit closer to you. Let's see how smart each section is. Let's start right here. Does anybody know 
when Jesus Christ was about to get baptized, and when he was getting baptized, do you know what Jesus was doing? Praying. Good answer. All right? Section right here. Let's think about this. Here is Jesus Christ, and Jesus is about to call out the 12 disciples. I mean, he's about to walk up to them and say, hey, come follow me. Does anybody know what did Jesus Christ do the entire night before he called out the 12? Pray. It said that he prayed all night long, then he called out the 12. Does anybody know as Jesus Christ was ministering and it was growing so rapidly, Jesus is healing people, is casting out demons. I mean, the crowds were all around him. What The scripture says that in all the midst of the crowds and all the people, it says that Jesus withdrew himself and went in the wilderness. And what did he do? Pray. Oh, over here, y'all are really smart over here. The scripture tells us we know that he's, before the temptation, before he was tempted in the wilderness for all those different things, he had just spent 40 days and 40 nights doing what? Pray. Oh, oh, let's take it another step farther. Let's take it that Jesus is in the garden and he's in the garden and he is about to be crucified on the cross. What is Jesus Christ doing in the garden? Oh, well, how, did, how did that happen? Remember, he had his three closest. He had Peter, James, and who? John. He had Peter, James, and John, remember, in their garden with him. And remember, he said, I want you to wait right here. Watch and pray. Remember, Jesus goes in on the garden. He is speaking to his heavenly father. His heavenly father won their communion. He's praying to his heavenly father. Lord, if this cup can pass for me, let it cup Pass for me. But when he comes out from pray, Peter, James, and John, they are doing what? Sleeping. Remember, he said, wake somebody. Can you not watch with me one hour? Remember, he goes back into the garden, and he goes and he prays some more. He comes back out. And what are Peter, James, and John, what are they doing again? Mm. When you really put all the gospel presentations that together, the third time when that happened, he just let them sleep at home. Wait a minute, let's get this. Baptism, temptation, calling out disciples. Oh, oh, by the way, I, I got another one. Remember, Jesus was going to ask the disciples, he's going to ask the disciples this question. Who do you say I am? Does anybody know, before Jesus asked the disciples who do you say I am? Does anybody know what did Jesus spend the entire afternoon doing before he asked that question? He prayed. So let me ask you this. this we're just family. Would you agree with me? Jesus' life was saturated with praying to his Father. Uh, would you agree with me that the New Testament church, they were saturated with praying? Would you agree with me that the Apostle Paul and the ministry of the Apostle Paul and when he's telling this church, are they saturated with praying? Y'all are kind of weak on that. Would you agree with me that in 1 Thessalonians that Paul is telling the church, you got to pray without ceasing. Is he saying you must be saturated with praying? Ah. So why are you asleep?
apart from him we can do. Steve Gaines, the pastor at Bellevue Baptist Church in Memphis, Tennessee, he's been president of Southern Baptist Convention these two prior years. Let me tell you, Steve is a prayer warrior, and this is his challenge, and I've been really sinking in. Listen to what he says. Pray first, plan second, work last. You know what I think we do? We work first. Then as we're working, we're playing some. And then we sprinkle a little bit of prayer last. Too many times, I, I believe, we just step up. Well, we, gotta, we better start working. We got to work. We got to work. And we don't even have a plan while we're working. We're just working. And as we're working, we make a plan. Because as one of my best friends says, sometimes you can't plan in an event until it happens. Sometimes we say, I'm going to work first and I might plan a little bit. Oh, oh, then I need to pray. First Baptist family, we got to pray first. So this morning when you walked in, you got a, a card that says, pray like it matters. So these next five weeks, you know what we're going to do? My prayer is we're going to pray like it matters, and we're going to be saturated in prayer, that we're going to be saturated in communion, we're going to be saturated in closeness with the Lord. The next five weeks, every week that you come to church, you're going to get a, a new prayer card. And each week we're going to pray a scripture. And we're going to pray that scripture for the next seven days. So here's the invitation I'm asking you to commit for the next seven days, you're going to be saturated in prayer. In the next seven days, I, I want you to pray 1 Thessalonians 2, verse 8. As a matter of fact, can we say this together? Uh, this is the verse of the year. This is the verse of the year that God's just placed upon my heart that I, I'm praying for us as a church family. And as a matter of fact, over the next five weeks, I want every single one of us to memorize 1 Thessalonians 2.8. I've got some good news for you. I'm not asking you to memorize the entire chapter this time. One verse. And on the back of that card, you'll just see a, a little prayer that I wrote out and put together. That every day, I just want us to pray this. Let's look at it, 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 8 says this. Can we say this all together? It's up on the screen. Let's read this together. And then I'm going to put it in context. And I, I, God's Word is living, active, it's breathing, it's transformational. When you see verse 8 in connection with the rest, I'm telling you, it will make your heart full. So let, let's read it together. Here we go. So, affectionately longing for you, we were well pleased to impart to you not only the gospel of God, but also our own lives because you have become dear to us. That is a beautiful passage of Scripture. 
Look at 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. Look at verse number 7. Here, I want you to write down three things I want us to be praying this week. First thing I want us to be praying, write this down. Number one, a gentleness for people. I, I want us to be praying that we will have a gentleness for people. You're going to see in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, as Apostle Paul is talking to this church, he's going to make sure he tells him in verse number 4, he says, my motive is to please God and not man. I believe that's got to be the motive for all of us. If you want to be a miserable person, try to please people. Can you ever please people? Uh, how many of y'all, st- I struggle with that. How many of y'all struggle with being a people pleaser besides me? All right. Let your motive be and your attitude to please God. You don't want to be like the, the story I, I read about this year where this young man, I mean, he, he worked hard to get all of this engagement ready. He was going to ask his girlfriend of all this time, will you marry me? He had it all set up. So in this time, he said, will you marry me? She said, no. Well, that would be a bad moment. Well, a couple of days after she said no, he received a, a letter. said, dear John, I am so sorry that I said no. I say yes, yes, yes. Will you please forgive me? Love and put her name. And she said, P.S., congratulations on winning the lottery. The motive just wasn't quite right. What should be our motive? Our motive should be that we want to please God and not man. Look at it. First Thessalonians chapter 2, look at verse number 4. But as we have been approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel, even so we speak, not as pleasing men, but to God who tasked our hearts. Our goal, our motive, that we want to be saturated with prayer, that we want to be saturated with communion and closeness, is because we want to please God. So what do we need to pray? Look at verse number 7 and write this down. This is, I believe, one of the most beautiful, beautiful pictures and illustrations you'll find in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 7. And here's what I want us to do. I want us to pray that, that we will be gentle with people. Look what it says, verse 7. But you were gentle among us. The apostle Paul, when he entered in the city, he was gentle. How does he illustrate it? I don't know if I could spend the rest of my entire life trying to come up with a better illustration than what the illustration the Holy Spirit of God led Paul to say. 
But when we were among you, we came in gentleness. Look at the illustration. Look at the example that he said. This is how gentle we were. Oh, look at it. I think it's beautiful. But we were gentle among you, just as a nursing mother cherishes her own children. Can you picture that? Can you picture a, a, a more gentle moment? Can you picture a, a more beautiful moment? Can you picture a more intimate moment, a more precious moment that as a mom takes that baby, that child that God has blessed her with, and as she nurses that child, she cuddles that child, she brings that child up close and personal. There is a gentleness and a, and a sweetness of that moment. Paul's saying, when we were among you, we came with gentleness. I, I love what this one person said about gentleness. Gentleness says, I'll stick around Till the hurt is gone. Gentleness. What is this gentleness? This incredible affection. This gentleness is one to be kind to someone. Gentleness means to be compassionate. Gentleness means to be tenderhearted. Gentleness means to be patient. It, it means respect. It, it's more than just saying, I'm sorry that you hurt. It's more than just saying, man, I hurt with you. It is saying, gentleness say, I am going to stay here with you until you're healed from the hurt. Gentleness. Let's read it again. But you are gentle among us. There, there's roughly 550,000 people that live in our community that call it home. Apart from him, we can do nothing. Can we pray that we will be gentle with the 550,000 people that call it home? Can we pray that, Lord God, you love each person. Every soul matters in our community because every soul matters. God, I pray that the Holy Spirit of God so will so empower me, so overwhelm me, that, God, that I will have a gentle, tender, loving, kind, patient spirit with everybody I come in contact with. That's what Paul is saying. He is so saturated prayer. And he said, when we were among you, we were gentle. I pray that our county will be able to say, the people at first Baptist, because they're Christ followers, they are gentle in their spirit. They're like a mother nursing a child. They're gentle. How many of you would say, this week, I need to pray for a gentle spirit? God, give me a gentle 
spirit. There's nothing like that gentleness of a mom. One of the most beautiful things is for Amy and I, when we go to bed, Amy sits on her bed. She's been pulling out her journal. And I'll watch Amy sit on her bed, and, and she's journaling. She journals what she's praying about me. And, and then I'll watch a gentleness as she is praying over our four children. She's journaling about what's going on in their life and what we're praying in them. There's nothing like seeing a gentleness and a mom praying over her children. Hey, can we all agree we need to be saturated with pray and let's pray that we will be gentle. Look at verse number 8. Verse 8 is our scripture of the year in which we're all going to memorize and we're going to know well. We'll be able to say it backwards before the end of the year is over. Look at the. So we not only pray for gentleness right this second day. We, we want to pray for a deep longing and affection for people. Look, look at the terminology here. So affectionately longing for you. Paul is saying, you are so dear to us. You are so close to us. He said, affection. So affectionately longing for you. We were well pleased to impart to you not only the gospel of God, but our own lives. I love how John Phillips in his commentary puts it. These are the, the sentences. It's going to come up on the screen. He said, Paul's affection for his people was so strong that he preached the gospel to them in the midst of adversity and great opposition. His affection and deep longing and the deep love was so great that he was willing to show them affection. He was willing to preach the gospel for them during difficult days, during dire days, during days of turmoil, during days of persecution. But he says, you are so dear to me. That affection is so great. That look what the text of Scripture says. That we're well pleased to impart to you. When we're affectionate to a people, we will impart. It says we imparted the gospel. That word impart really means to give oneself. That we were willing to give oneself. That we imparted to you the gospel of Christ. We imparted to you the resurrection of Jesus. We imparted to you the death of Jesus. We imparted to you the forgiveness of sin. We imparted to you the good news of Christ. And we did it with great affection. We did it because you were dear to us. What would happen? First Baptist, look at me. What would happen if we looked at our county and we said, God, let our county become so dear to us that we impart the gospel. God, let the county become so. God, what I'm at a stoplight. Let me have a gentleness and affection. God, as I'm at the traffic light, let me pray for the person's soul who's next to me. Oh, when I'm at the, when I'm checking out, God, let me have a gentleness and affection to part the gospel of God because that person is dear to us. 
How does this gentleness, how does this affection for how does that happen? It only comes as we are saturated in prayer because apart from Him, we can do what? Let me give you a, a third word and I'm done. What would happen if we didn't see our community as a nuisance to us? But we saw each person. They are fearfully and wonderfully made by God. And God desires a relationship with them. Look at verse 9. We've seen all this in context. For you remember, brethren... Our labor and our toil. For laboring night and day. Right next to laboring night and day, will you write down Proverbs 6, verses 6 through 11? Proverbs 6, 6 through 11 talks about the sluggard. It said, oh, sluggard, won't you go to the ant and see how the ant works? Or go to Proverbs chapter 20, verse 13. Do not love sleep, lest you come to poverty. Open your eyes and you'll be satisfied. Look what it says in verse number 9. For you remember, brethren, our labor and our tool for labor day and night. They were saturated in prayer. They're praying without ceasing, but also they're not lazy. Have you ever met a lazy Christian? Look what it goes on to say. For you remember, brethren, our labor and our tool, for laboring night and day that we might not be a burden to any of you. But here's what we did. We preached to you the gospel of God. Third word, the gospel of God. We, we labor, we work day and night, saturated with prayer, with gentleness and affection. You became dear to us. But why the gospel? Without the gospel, we have what? No hope. Without the gospel, we have no future. Apart from Him, we can do nothing. Simple illustration, then we'll pray. I want you to picture today we're the toaster. I like toast, don't you? This toaster is no good unless it's plugged in. It sits on my counter at my house where there's a great energy source there. I I just got to plug it in. I want you to get this. Apart from him, we can do nothing. When we're not plugged into the source, we can accomplish nothing for the kingdom. Here's we are. Here we are. He's the source. This power cord 
is prayer. We need to be saturated with prayer because prayer is the cord that connects us to the source of Him. Pray like it what matters. Paul prayed. New Testament church prayed. Jesus did. Let's this week be saturated in prayer. God, give me a gentle spirit. God, give me affection and love towards people. And God, let me share the gospel. Let's pray together. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you Thank you, Lord, for this gift of prayer. Lord, may we pray like it matters. Lord, may we not have a spirit of selfishness. God, we pray a spirit of gentleness. Lord, we we pray for a spirit of affection that people will become dear to us. Lord, we pray the gospel. And Lord, we pray that in Philippians 3, that this one thing I must do, forgetting those things behind, and we press for, God, I pray that we will not allow the great accuser, the devil, we won't allow the enemy of this world to tell us we don't have a future in our hope because upon the word of God, you have a future and a hope for us. You have a plan for us. God, may we not let the past regrets, may we not let the past decisions to plan our future. But God, may we be saturated with you. And God, you give us a gentle spirit and a heart of affection for people. And God, and then we share the gospel. Right now, as every head is bowed, every eye is closed, here's the invitation. If you've never trusted Jesus, you've never received the forgiveness of God, in just a moment when we stand and we sing, the pastors are down front, why don't you come and accept Christ today? Or maybe today, Christ followers, will you just come to this altar? Will you join me at the altar say, God, I want to pray for a spirit of gentleness. I want to pray a spirit that they will become dear to us. Lord, I'm going to pray for the gospel of Christ. Christ followers, when we stand, why don't you come and just pray? Pray like it matters. Because apart from him, we can do nothing. Lord God, I pray that in this invitation there'll be a a freedom 
to follow you. In Christ's name, amen. We're about to stand.